Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, Small Town EP, once again, coming to you live from the chilly city of Atlanta. In a week where John Morant returns to play in record-breaking fashion, the Clippers keep winning, the Pistons keep losing, and Mike McDaniel gives the all-clear for his players to respectfully give the media the bird. ATS is back to give you the real in sports. As always, I'm joined by your host, man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Heat in five himself, June, wait, Julian, see you soon, June, call him everything but late for dinner. How you doing, man? How's the week treating you? Man, I can't ask for a better intro week in and week out. The week has been great, you know, uh, it's, uh, we're coming up on Christmas this week, this weekend, I should say, so. The spirits are high, man, and and I feel like there's a little a little cold trying to get me, but uh, I'm fighting. I hear you, man, and the spirits got to be high in Los Angeles right now as we uh, give a live look into this Thursday night football game. The Saints traveled to Los Angeles today to play the Rams. They are down to the tune of seven to twenty, about six minutes left in the third. Los Angeles seven and seven, four and three at home as of right now. They will continue to keep their foot on the pedal they'll be five and three at home on the season not only are they seven and seven but they're seventh as far as the playoff picture in the nfc june how low-key scary are these rams and do you think they could be a cinderella story in the nfl this year i'm glad you you asked because this was a game that i wasn't necessarily looking forward to the last two seasons um Thursday Night Football has been putting low-quality product together <laughs> as far as matchups for whatever reason. Um, however, this Rams team kind of found their second win. They got a spark. I don't know where it came from, but when you have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, you're always going to have a chance to win football games. Um, and, you know, they still have 99 on the other side of the ball in the trenches. That's going to give them a big boost every week. Um, and they play hard. We speak about this all the time, EP, well-coached teams. If you have a good coach and then the guy who's calling the offense as far as your quarterback is good, you have a chance. And so what they've done the last three or four weeks is put themselves right back in playoff contention after this season looked like it might have just been, you know, it is what it is. Now, to answer your question, do I think that they can, you know, be a Cinderella? I don't think they're talented enough this year to to overcome the power that is in the NFC with teams like, you know, uh, the Eagles, the 49ers. But they are putting themselves, and the Lions, I must say, they are putting themselves in a place where they're going, if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a living hell for whoever it is they play in that wild card uh, round one. Because this is a team you don't want to go against. They're They're... Offensive scheme with Nakua and Cooper Cup, Kyron Williams running it. Sean McVay has these guys under control, and um, they don't have anything to lose, right? They, a few years back, traded all their draft picks, all chips in to go for a Super Bowl run, get Stafford. They had Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald headlining the defense. They had Odell Beckham on that side, and everything went well. They ended up winning the Super Bowl, much like, the team in basketball, Los Angeles Lakers, when they put all chips in for Anthony Davis and they come out of 2020 with a championship. Um, both of those teams have some similarities where it it's like they're not as good anymore, but they're still contending. And it's just impressive to see what Sean McVay has been able to do with the, with the group of guys he has um, week in and week out, being able to put up wins and tonight it looks like they'll get their eighth on the season so no i don't think they'll be a cinderella team we're not going to see them in the nfc championship but i do think they can uh with given the right opportunity knock off their their week one of the playoff opponent if that makes sense yeah and like i said a win today their seventh right now a win today to move them up to sixth place in the nfc tentative to the rest of the weekend finishing out they would uh, move the Vikings down to seventh, right? And I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you. They're still in rebuild, but it is a very impressive year that they've had and how they're kind of wrapping the year up. Currently, Matthew Stafford, 20 for 29, 262 yards, 
nine yards on average per pass, two touchdowns, no picks, one sack for the loss of three yards. <laughs> Derek Carr, man, just kind of looking lost in the pocket these days. Like, I, and I can't even say these days. It's 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 this season. He kind of was a little hyped to get out of his old situation to get into this situation, and it didn't seem like the situation was the issue. It kind of seems like at this point, Derek Carr is the issue, and his brother being on the commentator side of it isn't really helping their family name. But I digress, I digress, I digress. Not this year, but we'll see how far they get in the playoffs. I do think they can put up a formidable fight as far as defense is concerned in the playoffs, but I don't see them making it past the first round, me personally. I I, I want to say, though, like, how disappointing is it as a Saints fan, if you are, to watch your team kind of just dwindle this opportunity away? I mean, every year, being in the NFC South, you give your t- yourself a chance, minus the Tom Brady years, to win the division, right? This is such a weak division, um, and... Right now they're at seven and seven. The Falcons are at six and eight. The Buccaneers are at seven and seven. And first place is there for the taking. They're not playing one of the best teams in the NFC. Now, granted, they are playing a playoff team. Uh, the Rams sitting at seventh right now. And if they win, they have a seventy percent chance. The Rams being to make the playoffs. But the seat, the Saints have a sixty nine percent chance if they were to win this game tonight. Um, and, and and it's just unfortunate that, you know, it, again, if you're a Saints fan, to watch your team just not be able to, you know, step up to the challenge. This Rams team is not supposed to be, you know, this dominant tonight versus them specifically. And um, at 7-7, seven seven, you would like to see this team put up a better effort. But I guess that's just who they are. You know, they're, they're not – I can't say they're they're – great coached team Dennis Allen I'm not going to knock him and I I do think he is a good coach but um week in and week out we don't see the Saints team prepared Derek Carr something happened you know ever since maybe 2018 2019 he just hasn't been the same like after that year with Antonio Brown and um yeah it's just it's just been that so sucks to suck but that's where the Saints are right now and uh tonight they're playing like the Aints (laughs) <laughs> oh man you know who's not been disappointing jake browning man for the cincinnati Bengals. he has been just putting on a show he's only played in six games this year and i'm only and i'm gonna say it was it six yeah six games this year and i'm really gonna call it five games and i really 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 want to call it four games because i mean in the first two games that he played in he was a combined uh, 8 for 15, and one of those games he was 0 for 1, so he didn't really touch the field like that. But call it six games. This guy has over 1,000 yards. I mean, what more could you ask for? Three interceptions, seven touchdowns. I mean, it's it's a score every time. You know, it's 1,248 yards, and they're on the road this week against the Steelers. And while the Steelers can't score, I mean – They've been known to defend. Every Mike Tomlin team has been known to defend. Who do you think comes out victorious this week? Is it Jake Browning's and the Bengals offense, or is it Mike Tomlin and that Steelers defense again? Yeah, I think I think um, the bigger topic at hand right now is, like, that Steelers locker room. Um, they obviously have a huge game this weekend against a divisional opponent. We know that AFC North and how they get down when they battle, uh, especially when there's playoff implications and seeding. Um, Jake Browning is a young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback at the end of the day. Highsmith and TJ Watt are going to be, you know, bringing pressure all day. However, I think the Steelers just have bigger problems in front of them. And Jake Browning isn't number one on that list. Jake Browning is a problem, right? And he's he was a problem for Minnesota. He was a problem for the Colts. He was a problem for Jacksonville. And I'm sure he's going to be a problem this week for the Steelers, but he's not their number one issue. When you're in the playoff race, right, you're a Mike Tomlin coach team. That's what's so surprising about this. You bring it up, and you're a Mike Tomlin coach team. You're in the playoff race um, with not, I can't say, like, you control your own destiny, but, like, you know, you 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 can do your part and put yourself in prime position to get where you want to go. 
And all we see all week after a loss to the Colts this weekend that really hurt them is George Pickens, right? There's a highlight of him not blocking for his running back. He literally took the playoff, didn't didn't engage with one blocker, and reporters after the game had asked him about it and confronted it saying, you know, what do you feel about this? Do you think that you could have done better as far as how it looks to be a lack of effort? And he just told reporters, no, like, I didn't do anything because I didn't want to get hurt. That's how you avoid injury. Anybody who's saying that it's a lack of effort, hasn't played football, and, you know, they don't don't know that in that situation, basically, you know, you can get hurt. I didn't want to end up in a situation like Tank Dell, or obviously in Houston, they lost him for the year at the goal line. They had Tank Dell uh, blocking. I think it was a much different situation if you look at both clips neither here nor there because tank dell i think if you were to ask him hey would you have done things differently would you not have helped on that block he would have said absolutely not absolutely i would have helped i would have helped it's it's my job it's what i was paid to do on that play it's what i what's expected of me from the other 52 men on my team and the coaching staff when you're at, like football is a gladiator sport it's war you know what i'm saying and you have to be down for the next man you have to have your guys back because if not one it's replaceable there's somebody else more hungry to to replace you they might not be as talented but they might got more heart than you and coaches love that so when you have that entitled i belong here feeling that it seems to run in the wide receiver position family George Pickens has kind of put that target on his back himself with a few things he's done since his rookie year. I think he's in his third year or second year. So the running back comes out and they ask him about it. And he says, well, I mean, yeah, I would have blocked for him. And when you hear that, you just think like, all right, obviously guys are at differences. The locker room is not, you know, the camaraderie is not all the way there. Um, they're in the middle of a playoff hunt, run, whatever you want to call it, and we're still hearing, you know, rumblings of, like, unhappiness and <laughs> lack of effort and guys having different opinions. Now's not the time. So going back to your original question, do I think Jake Browning is going to be a problem for them? I, I think them having to play a good team this week is a problem. Um, and this is no disrespect to Jake Browning because I do think he's going to impact this game in a great way for them, even though Jamar Chase – is going to be out with injury. But it just seems to me, I'll say it again, that the Steelers have bigger problems, and um, I don't think they're going to be able to overcome that. Yeah, you know, the gambler in me wants to talk about trends in this one. And the trends do say that Cincinnati should come out victorious. because I don't see Cincinnati going 0-5 in the division because they – are 0 and 4. Four out of their six current losses have come in the division. And on the other hand of that, I just don't see Pittsburgh at this point in the season going 4 and 1 in the division because they are 3 and 1 overall in the division right now. Trends tend to swing, is what I'll say. And from, you know, experience, this is one of those games, especially at this point in the year, where Cincinnati should pull this off. I do think that the turmoil in the Steelers locker room will probably have something to do with that as well. They're right there. This a win here for the Steelers would mean a lot. But a win here for the Bengals would also mean a little more as they are sixth in the AFC. And they could cement and I wouldn't say permanently cement, but they could definitely, you know, put a little more room in between them and the Colts. That play in Atlanta this weekend that we'll get to in a second. Do you think, man, before we move forward from this game, is this a coaching issue? Like, is this something that a coach should be able to kind of put a hold on and and kind of settle down, guys? Let's uh, let's kumbaya. <laughs> as far AD as the say. Steelers, yeah. As far as the Steelers, um, um no. I, I listen, I. I'm not going to put anything on Coach Tomlin or any of the coaches in the building right now because we've seen this same coaching staff in Pittsburgh deal with issues before. I mean, this is a team that Antonio Brown stormed out on 
Le'Veon Bell didn't want to play for unless he got paid, and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, kind of be at odds or differences with his wide receivers at times. So, like, the Steelers, is this isn't the first time that a Mike Tomlin coach team was at odds. This isn't the first time that the Steelers themselves, you know, were weren't seeing eye to eye. I think the problem, I think it's like, we're just in a different day and age. This is a new generation. And Minka Fitzpatrick sat in that locker room. He's one of the like last of the dying breeds of like that gold and black, gold and yellow, uh, black and yellow, I should say, for the Steelers. Because he's a guy who comes in the locker room and says, guys are walking around here like they earn the stripes. Like they earn the right to wear this Pittsburgh black and yellow. Like you got to prove it every day. And to be a Steeler is to be, we understand, tough, uh, gritty, you know, um, selfless, and, and those type of characteristics. They don't have a locker room full of those guys. They have some, T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, you know what I'm saying, like guys like Mink I just mentioned. And, and there's a bunch of those guys on that team, but there are a lot of guys who don't share that same mentality. And I think it's more of that being the issue than the coaching because – you know, at the end of the day, the Steelers are still sitting in playoff position. Like if, if 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 all went well for them, they could land in the playoffs. But something's not adding up. And so when when say 2018, when Ben Roethlisberger A B were kind of going through it and Le'Veon Bell contract situation was happening, the Steelers weren't the best team in the league. But they still fought. They still competed. You know what I'm saying? The guys still went out there and played hard for each other. And it just doesn't seem to be the same now. So, no, I, I don't think it's Coach Tomlin. And even if Coach Tomlin went 2-14 and 14 this season, I wouldn't blame him. Like, I'm not going to do that. The guy has been over 500 every year as a coach. He, he deserves, if anybody gets some wiggle room, much like the coach in Detroit uh, in the NBA, Coach Tomlin should, should be graced at least a season. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And it's interesting hearing certain Steelers fans wanting to call for his head when, pause, um, but put his head on the chopping block, essentially, when this guy has done nothing, but essentially continue to win for, for your program and for your decision, you know, for for the team and do whatever it takes to, you know, stay afloat, stay above 500, stay in the playoff conversation at the very least, you know, so that's very interesting to me. But I digress. We'll move forward to the team that they're currently right in front of. The Bengals, I should say, are currently right in front of the Colts. Your Indianapolis Colts, 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 and they're in town. And when I say in town, I you know it's not South Florida anymore for me. They are in downtown Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Dome, playing the Falcons, of course. The Falcons four and three at home. The Colts five and two on the road last week i asked you i was like yo the colts are dogs against the steelers and you were like i mean yeah i could figure you know this that mike tomlin defense uh, uh, uh. we know how that game ended 30 to 13 with an indianapolis win this week once again the colts dogs at the mercedes-benz stadium two and a half point dogs and i mentioned that to you as we were about to record and you were like that's crazy how disrespectful. I know you're not a gambling man, uh, you know, like me and some of, you know, your com comrades are, but how disrespectful do you, or how disrespected do you feel as a Colts fan to see them as dogs in Atlanta this weekend? Yeah, I I mean, I get it. Atlanta is the division leader over there. Uh, I take that back. They are not. They are 6 and 8 at the 10th spot and the Buccaneers are at 7 and 7. So Yes, sir. It's confusing because, you know, we saw the week that Atlanta just had. They're coming off of a loss, a tough loss at that, that uh, a game they <clears throat> probably should have won. We see how the Colts kind of dominated uh, against the Steelers at home. I understand they're going on the road, but we're hearing rumblings of like what Arthur Blank wants to do with Coach Arthur Smith. What's his future look like? Is he on the hot seat right now? And we're a team where Coach Shane Steichen just got put at number one or highest odds to win Coach of the Year coming off of a win in the playoffs, controlling our destiny. 
it's just a bit confusing to to see you know us at, I listen I'm not a gambling man you said it I don't care what the line is the line could be minus five it could be plus 10 whatever the case is Colts money line is a lock that's not what I'm here to tell you but let's go Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. look like they're ready to come back this week so um, keep that in mind we haven't had Jonathan Taylor for the last three weeks we have one of the better offensive lines in the league. Gardner Minshew has been putting up some good ball. And and I I mean, I didn't think we were going to talk about this game, but but the fact that we were, you know, minus two and a half dogs just kind of made me kind of wonder, like, what is it about this Falcons team that that the books see? You know, I, I don't I don't see it. So. Um, I, I don't even think it's going to be a good game. This this is going to be one of those games where the Colts take care of business um, in a nice fashion. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, Atlanta could make it tough. They got offensive weapons over there. I don't want to discount that. You know, they do have Drake London. They do have Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson. However, uh, we are a relentless defense who forces turnovers and uh, get sacks. So we're going to find out. I wanted to go to that game, man. It would have been pretty cool to go see my team in the – uh, mercedes-benz dome but i'm sure there will be other opportunities for that experience and uh yeah yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely plan a uh a small town ats weekend in uh in atlanta before not before the years not before the year is over obviously but sometime in this uh sports calendar year and you know we got a lot of sports maybe it's the uh, acc championship uh, acc tournament weekend but i digress we'll stay in football for right now we're not in basketball right now but we will touch we didn't talk about that we didn't talk about talking about that but we do got to talk about that duke win but anyway let's get back let's get back let's get back to uh to football right now the colts like you said eight and six man a win here depending on you know what happens in the cincinnati and uh steelers game on the day before, because we are we are now on Sunday Christmas Eve games, as far as the Colts and the Falcons, could definitely again put a a, a very good stamp on on their playoff run, move them up a little bit, and I do believe, like you said, Colts money line last week was the lock. Well, you didn't say that last week, but you know, you you thought it. I know you thought it. I'll say Colts money line is definitely the plus money locked this weekend at least on christmas eve for sure without a doubt i just at the end of the day do we expect desmond ritter to to get off on this on this cold defense exactly that's, that's really that's really what we're that's really what the question is and you know i wish the best for you mr ritter but you are not him you are not him. and and, and watch that line change by by saturday Ooh. take it now take 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 it now pause <laughs> so we'll stay in those uh christmas eve games because there's a, a pretty nice slate on that sunday and uh we'll move down to browns texans cj stroud questionable as of today he did he was sidelined this morning at practice as of about nine ten hours ago is what they're reporting cleveland two and a half point favorites on the road in Houston, Houston five and two at home. The Browns two and four on the road. Joe Flacco seems to be getting his way with whoever he's facing. Doesn't matter. I throw it this way. I throw it that way. His receivers are catching the ball, getting mad yards after the catch. Is CJ Stroud's if if is CJ Stroud being active the biggest key to this game this weekend, June or? Does it not really matter? I think it matters a ton. <clears throat> Obviously, last week they were able to find a way to win with Case Keenum out there, but, you know, they were playing the Tennessee frauds, and, you know, I, much teams <laughs> haven't found too much trouble trying to beat them. This Browns team is a legit playoff contender. Except for the Dolphins. Yeah. This Browns team is a legit playoff contender with a great defense, if not, you know, top two. Um and you don't want your backup quarterback playing against Miles Garrett. I'll tell you that. So um, the Browns are minus two and a half road dogs against this Houston team. 
I'm not going to say that the, the luck has run out in Houston because, we, you know, there's still time for Stroud to get back healthy and, and get this team to win 10 games. Um, it just might be a little too little too late at that point of the season, you know, because if he does miss this game on Sunday, they're going to have to win out. Obviously, seeing how Jaguars play out against the Bucks, Colts play out against the Falcons, you, you just have to imagine that at least one of those teams, Colts or Jaguars, are going to get that dub. And they're going to, you know, move up a game on Houston. So I think it is very imperative that C.J. Stroud starts if the Texans want to make the playoffs. It's really not up to him. He has to pass concussion protocol. The NFL has their safety rules, and you, you totally understand it. However, man, just unfortunate timing, you know, to miss two games down the stretch, uh, especially when you got to play an elite defense like this, you would have liked to see uh, what C.J. Stroud would have been able to do. It was also interesting because, one, they might know, like, listen, we played the Jets, elite defense, and we weren't able to do anything against them. This Browns defense is similar to that Jets defense, and so with a banged-up quarterback, you might not even want him to be out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get a guy who's fully healthy. You know, he can take a couple hits. Miles Garrett can ruin his his Christmas if he wants, but – you know, we'll keep C.J. Stroud kind of gift-wrapped under the tree. And if everything falls where they may, we can get our, you know, last two chances uh, in week 17 and 18 and hopefully, you know, hopefully find our way in the playoffs. That's D'Amico Ryan's thinking, I assume. Um, if he does play, great. And I think that the Texans should win this game. Um, Joe Flacco does seem to be able to hit his mark. Joku, you know what I'm saying, and Amari Cooper have – have been good targets for him, but listen, man, if you're going to tell me like Joe Burr, uh, Joe Flacco is in the way of me getting to the playoffs, we better dial up some fucking game plan for that shit. I'm going to go ahead and dub Joe Flacco with a new nickname, half a million dollar man, half a million, wow. because I mean, what is this guy doing? He has no business doing what he's been doing these last couple of weeks. That's how literally you have to phrase it. You ain't got no business going out put some respect on the super bowl champion man nah that's facts uh you know that was we were what that was that that was that was 10 years ago (laughs) damn that was stop motherfuckers getting old out here (laughs) motherfuckers getting old out here i i can't call this game either way man the line's too close for me both these teams are i mean the browns are obviously in the playoff picture right now houston's just on the outside looking in which is very surprising to say with the way that they've you know been performing and been playing i mean the record says different at eight and six but to be like yeah cj stroud's been doing what cj stroud's been doing 3600 yards 20 touchdowns five picks but you're not in the playoffs you know yeah i mean and it's 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 a a tough division eight and six you know they're the colts are eight and six jags are eight and six colts have the head up on the texans and the Jaguars have the head up on the Colts. This week is very big for the AFC South right now. This is this is going to kind of change the outlook on who could win this division for real because, hey, man, if those Jags and them Texans lose and the Colts win, we walking in the first place right there. So, but, Facts. you know, if the Jaguars win and the Colts lose and the Texans lose, Colts just kind of, you know, screwed themselves because they're going to be in third uh, with a possibility that at the end of the year, if – they go two and one, and the Texans go two and one. We might have to flip a heads or tails for that, you know, for that for that last spot. So we'll see how it plays out. That's neither here nor there. But AFC South has a lot of big implications. I wanted to switch gears here, stay in the AFC South, uh, and go to Tampa. It's going to be a, a battle of Florida. We got the Bucks hosting the Jaguars. Battle of Northern Florida, I should say. Um, the Bucks are. Minus three at home. This Jaguars team has kind of hit a skid. Are they on a three-game losing streak? Am I am I wrong? They're coming off losses from the Ravens. Yeah, I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. Bengals, Ravens, and there was one more game that they lost. And the Browns. And the Browns. Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati. And that Cincinnati was an overtime loss. Hey. Trevor Lawrence, man, in that game versus the Browns, I think he threw for like three interceptions. In the game versus the Bengals, he ended up getting hurt, came out of the game, wasn't able to be in there late for his guys with the ankle injury, comes back uh, 
and was it was it Bengals Browns or was it Browns Bengals? Browns Bengals. Uh, okay. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking backwards. So their last three, I'm thinking, I'm talking backwards. So their last three games were versus Baltimore at Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. That's why I had it mixed up. So he, he got hurt. He, he he got hurt, then came back through the three interceptions, and then played Baltimore and had two turnovers on Monday Night Football. And um, this Jaguars team kind of got to figure it out right now. They're hitting the wrong stride at the right at the wrong part of the season. So what I've seen from them is that hey, <clears throat> Jake Browning went off. Right, Joe Flacco went off, pretty much, and Lamar Jackson had a a really good game for Lamar Jackson. He had 97 rushing yards. He threw for almost 200 yards, a couple touchdowns. And Baker Mayfield is coming off of one of his best games of his career. Mm-hmm. So if this is divine timing, Jesus, please tell me, we could take a Bucks win, a Jags loss, a Texans loss, and a Colts win. And put them Colts in number one in the AFC South. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season, a lot of guys, shout out to Adam Rank, NFL Network. He had us as a three-win team this year. Who would have thought the Colts have an opportunity in week, what are we in, 16? Yes, sir. Take control of their division and be at the number one spot for the AFC South. And, A.E., I'm going to whisper this into the mic. Host a playoff. Like, could that that that's a dream come true? If I, if I don't get nothing for Christmas, <laughs> which I'm not expecting anything, but if I don't get anything for Christmas, if I could get the Colts to host a playoff game, I might just fly out to Indy. E. I might have to. I might have to. We ain't do this in so long, like Andrew Luck days. I ain't seen a Colts home playoff game since since since. Tch, bro, I don't know. Bro, I don't remember. It might have been Peyton Manning days because in 2011 when we got luck, okay, Chiefs. Chiefs, that was it. That was the last one. Oh, man. Listen, I got a question for you. Is Baker Mayfield the guy in in, in Tampa Bay? Is, is, Baker is, Mayfield is the guy in Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield should be the guy in Cleveland still, but they gave up on him. Number one overall pick. They didn't have to pay him $150 million because he didn't play up to that money. But guess what? He's a he's a good quarterback in this league who for you guys to never have had a great quarterback in your franchise's history and you're going to be upset with what he gave you and you're not going to try to develop and make him grow and continue to be a better player. The Bucks got them a nice quarterback. We thought this Bucks team was going to be sitting here looking sad this year, like super super sad. This Bucks team is at 7 and 7, first in their division and there's no Tom Brady on that roster. So, you know, it just speaks to it just speaks to like teams needing to have more patience with guys, especially when you're when you're not used to it. Like, I just don't understand how the Browns, you know, they want to go and give two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed to this guy, Deshaun Watson. Listen, Deshaun Watson is a player, right? He's a great player. We understand what he was able to do in college, what he did for his first few years in the league before he got hurt and then before he started dealing with the legal drama. But to guarantee somebody $230 million and he is just sitting down, eating it up, pause, like the man's not even on the sideline for the games. He's watching the games up in the suite. You got Joe Burrow out for the year sitting in 30-degree cold weather with Jake Browning trying to teach him how to beat his opponent, what to see on the playbook, on the, on the, on the, you know, on the iPad, like, or I should say the Microsoft Surface. Sorry, NFL. But like, Yes, I think Baker Mayfield is the guy for Tampa Bay. Yes, Baker Mayfield is a guy who understands that Mike Evans is my best receiver and he can get a 1,000 yards every single year no matter who's his quarterback. We're going to feed that. They still have a good defense over there. That defense is getting a little older, but they still got some guys on that defense, man. So this Buccaneers team, I just I, I commend them for not quitting. I commend them for not saying, listen, Tom Brady's not here anymore. We, we don't got it. Like, no, you guys can win your division. This is one of the weakest shits. We've spoke about this since July. You know what I'm saying? And so 
for them to be right here as three-point favorites against a Jacksonville Jaguars team who's lost three straight and is fighting for their number one seed still, knowing that you could you could probably uh, I don't think the I don't think the Bucks could win the division this week, right? They won't clinch because they're only going to be eight and seven. Saints fall to seven and eight, and the Falcons, barring a win, barring a loss, would fall to six and, and nine. So. Yeah, they might actually clinch. You know what I'm saying? They're just going to be at that 90%. Yeah, they'll be at 86% if they win on Sunday. So, like, understanding all of that, Baker Mayfield is going to come out, and he's going to do what he does, man. Shout out to the Bay. Let's take it down to South Florida, man. Christmas Eve. Dolphins fans got a big game this weekend. The entire South Florida region will probably be in attendance, I will assume, to host, what do they call them, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones and company. Jerry's World will be visiting Miami Gardens. I always want to say South Beach, but it's not South Beach, it's Miami Gardens. The line is minus one, Miami, at home. So line makers are saying Miami don't even have a home field advantage, really. This is going to be a closer game than we imagined. Last year, Christmas... They played the Packers, and the line was minus three Miami at home. And remember how that turned out, because that was one of the most entertaining games of the season last season. But I digress. We'll get back to this season. What do you see in this game, man? Because this is a big game for both. Both teams are 10-4. and four. Cowboys can't win on the road. Miami can't beat a good team. Are the narr- Well, I can't even call them narratives because they're facts. There's numbers and, and statistics that will prove both of those statements. What do you see happening in this game? What are the biggest keys to you in this game? Yeah, so this is going to be the something's got to give game right here. Like, can Dak Prescott perform on the road as he does at home? Can the Dolphins beat a team over 500? This is going to be their first, you know, real test of the season. They played the Bills, obviously. That's just AFC South battle, and both teams were still trying to figure out who they were. Um, I think right now at this point in the season, if you don't know who you are as a team, you, you're in trouble. The Dolphins do understand who they are, um, and I, I think the Cowboys do too. But they each have similarities where it's just like for certain things, they can't perform. They can't. And so that's why I give it the something's got to give game. <clears throat> I think the Cowboys – play worse on the road than the Dolphins do against good teams. The Dolphins haven't been able to finish those games, but Dak Prescott's numbers are night and day, you know, home and road. Uh, hopefully it's a little hot in South Florida so they could have at least, you know, a little bit of home field advantage. But, um, you know, I, I do see, hopefully Tyreek Hill plays for the Dolphins as well. I do see Mike McDaniel kind of out-dueling Mike McCarthy. It's the battle of the Mikes, battle of two great offensive-minded coaches mm. um, and two quarterbacks who deal with a lot of scrutiny in the media, but, but come out Sundays and deliver and both put their names in, you know, those MVP-type conversations. Dak Prescott can solidify his MVP ballot in this big game right here. If he comes out on the road against a good Dolphins team and puts up over 320 yards and three touchdowns and gets a win. Dak Prescott has to win the MVP at that point, you know, like in my opinion. But, man, how do I see this one playing out? I wouldn't put any money on this if, if I'm a if I'm a better. Thankfully, I'm not, so I don't have to worry about that. But I do think the Dolphins find it finally, finally, finally find a way to beat a good team, a team over 500. They have the home field advantage. The reason being is not more so because of them playing the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys have a really good chance to win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do. But the Dolphins understand that right? <clears throat> their playoffs start to, to uh, Christmas. Their playoffs start on Christmas. Um, you lose versus the Cowboys, you've just made the next two games of your season versus the Ravens and versus the Bills must win, must win. So, like, you might as well start that mentality right now and give yourself a little bit of leeway if, you know, if you do win this game, maybe you you fall to the, you know, you fall to the Ravens, best team in the AFC, give it to them. 
you still got to beat the Bills, though. Like, they got to beat the Bills. You can't go 0-2 to the Bills and lose you know, at home to them as well last game of the season. So, right now, <clears throat> Dolphins have to understand what's at stake. They do. I think they'll be very prepared for this game, and I think they'll uh, – I think McDaniel's going to have them ready to kind of expose all of the flaws that the Cowboys play with on the road. So, I do see the Dolphins winning this game. Um I can't promise how I'm going to feel next Thursday when we're talking about them playing Baltimore. Uh, little secret here. I think they'll lose. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those games that I, I, I will sit back, enjoy, and watch. I wouldn't put a dollar. I wouldn't put a penny. I think I said this on last pod. I wouldn't bet this game. Well, not about. I didn't say it about this game, but I wouldn't bet this game with your money, June. And I, just, I just wouldn't do it. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game. I don't know where this is going. I mean, again, I got the Dolphins going one and two these last three games. I don't know which one they're. I don't know which ones they're going to lose. I don't know which one they're going to win. Can't call it. I'm just going to call the one and two record to finish off the season. I want to backtrack really, really fast to give a big shout out to the Seattle Seahawks for pulling off that win on Monday Night Football. I, 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 we can't get through this episode without shouting out Drew Locke and company and just the execution That's and poise. Fair that he showed, um, and just pointing out the horrible play calling that Philadelphia had down the stretch. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys were doing, taking a shot downfield with three timeouts and, and two and a half minutes left in the game. I'll say this, boy. They must miss Coach Shane Steichen over there. <laughs> Yo, this is the Colts episode for sure. <laughs> it's, that, it's that time of the year, man. I respect it, bro. I respect it. I respect I, hey, it. look. All right, look. I didn't think the Colts was going to go to the playoffs. And we still ain't ain't solidified in the playoffs. Like, it's week by week right now. I'm, I'm talking and I'm, I'm talking it up. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of hyped right now. But, like, it's still week to week. And I understand that. We, I've seen this Colts team lose to the Raiders and the Jaguars back-to-back to shit our chances out, right? So, enough with that. Granted, Carson Wentz was our quarterback. Frank Reich was our coach. Different situation. I didn't necessarily think coming into the season that we were a playoff team yet, right? Quarterback, rookie, whatever. Quarterback starts doing good. I'm like, you know what? This team got some talent, man. Don't, don't let us catch a stride. Quarterback gets hurt. Fuck. All right. Eh, all right. Now, playoffs is really uh, afterthought. I think we're still, you know, very well coached. We have a great defense. I just don't, we don't have enough power, firepower on offense. Jonathan Taylor's situation was looking crazy. What now? What now? You know what I'm saying? What now? I'm telling you, bro, well-coached teams prevail. Well-coached teams prevail. D'Amico Ryans, Mike McDaniel, Shane Steichen are all uh, examples of that. So, And even guys like Doug Peterson for the Jaguars. Let's take it over to basketball. And we'll touch on the college, and then we'll move over to the NBA real quick. Before we do, 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 let's get one more of these games in here on Monday night. It's a possible Super Bowl preview. And I love that they asked Lamar Jackson, do you think that this is a possible Super Bowl preview? He said this is week 16. And that just shows the laser lock mentality that that quarterback has. I say my quarterback. Listen, Baltimore is like my – my celebratory team, they're not my favorite team by any means. I don't, you know, listen, Lamar Jackson, as far as wherever he goes, I go. That's That boy is from Broward County. He's been putting on for, you know, South Florida, and he's just an electric, fun player to watch. Hard to not like player. Uh, so I'm going to support him through everything. The Colts already beat the, <laughs> the Ravens, you know what I'm saying? So there ain't nothing there. But this game, we spoke about it last week can be a Super Bowl preview, and I think it is. So I'm going to be interested to see how they come out and game plan for each other, what schemes they're going to use against each other, and if these teams meet in the play, in the Super Bowl, are we going to see a similar game? You know, Are we going to see the same type of attacks coming at each other? Are they going to switch it up? Do they not want to show everything? But to that thought, I think that you have to show everything. I think that you have to win this game right now, put yourself in the best position you can to even – you know, further yourself in the playoff hunt. Because the Ravens and the 49ers already clinched. We get that. But they haven't solidified the number one seed. They still got work there to do. How do you see this game EP playing out? It's going to be in San Francisco. 
Lamar Jackson going on the road versus, I mean, a team with guys like <laughs> Run CMC, Debo, George Kittle, and possible MVP Brock Purdy. We haven't talked about anybody on that defense. That says a lot. What are you thinking? When Dallas and Philly played, I said whoever wins this game is going to have major MVP implications. Eh, I'm going to take all that back. I think whoever wins this game, major MVP implications. This is the game. I mean, Brock 30. Brock Dirty 30. I don't know. Whatever you want to call him. But this Glock kid, Purdy. Glock Purdy. There it is. That might be the best one out of all three of those. Um, Glock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy. I'm, I don't know. This kid is just, I, I like how poised he is. I like how he just, he, he goes, he does, he does the job. He doesn't take the work home with him, if that makes any sense. He, he shows up on Sunday, on Monday, on Thursday, when Saturday, whenever you need him to show up, he's there. He preps all week. I'm sure he gets his day off after he wins and he starts the process all over again. Cool, calm, collected at all times. I, I think at this point, I mean, the resume speaks for itself. Close game, man. I think whoever wins is going to win by two or three points. Damn, man. That Ravens defense. I want to say San Fran, man, but there's something about that Ravens defense that just, it, it doesn't let me just outright pick San Fran. I do think that this is this is more than likely a Super Bowl preview as well. Ah. It's tough. It's tough. This is this and that Dolphins game is gonna be, like you said, one of the, something's got to give. Something has got to give. Someone might have to make a mistake, or you know, like just just something happens, and and I think I think we're in for a treat this holiday weekend. Is what I'll say. I oh, think yeah. we're in for a treat. I think we're absolutely in for a treat for sure. For sure. Whew. Yo, John Moran back, bro. John Moran, in incredible fashion, man. Speaking of Glock Purdy. <laughs> Yo, fam. <laughs> so I got a question for you, because obviously most points in the comeback in NBA history, um, you know, he did it with a game winner. Very impressive. I more or less want to address these comments that he made after the game, and not even just as he's running down the tunnel. I kept the receipts. I want to know what receipts he's talking about, because... I mean, outside of the conversations where, you know, people were, uh, I think people on Twitter was trying to compare his draft class and things like that. I don't think there's any doubt of who he is and what he's capable of. So I want to ask you, what receipts do you think he's talking about? Because I was a thousand percent confused at that. I mean, those were the receipts that came to my mind. Um, I think it is disrespectful to to compare R.J. Barrett to to John Moran. Like, get the fuck out of here! What are you talking about? Like, are you serious? Did 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 R.J. Barrett score thirty four points in a game winner in his first game? Like, and it's not to say anything negative about R.J. Barrett because he's grown into the player he is, and you know the Knicks love him. And well, you know he's a he's a he's a good player. But, like, John Morant was picked number two for a certain reason. And if there's a redraft, he'd go number one. Zion Williamson was just this, you know, he's this idea. There's an idea about Zion Williamson um, that you you got to have him. You just got to have him. And they end up signing him and redoing his contract to where there's a clause that they don't even, like, there was a report today where they can release him next season and not have his contract paid to him. Like, it's not fully guaranteed. So, I mean, when you're talking about somebody like that and then somebody like who R.J. Barrett has, hasn't made an all-star. You know, it's not about what he's done bad or what he can't do. It's about accolades at this point and what they've proven. John Morant is a all-NBA level player. He didn't get hurt. He didn't tear his ACL. He didn't. He's not coming off of a fucking arm surgery. He's He was suspended. He's been hooping all these past eight months since he last played basketball ready for this moment. What I liked about it, Fuck all them comments, right? Keep receipts. All right, and, and guys, you know, they want to also, like, motivate themselves, right? Like, the world hates me. And cool. Like, if that's your style, that's your style. But it don't matter because at the end of the day, when he gets on the court, can you guard him? Can you guard him one-on-one? -on -one? Nobody in this league right now, in my opinion, can guard John Morant one-on-one. -on -one. He came out, 
34 points uh, in his first game back versus New Orleans. You said it. They were down, say, 16 or so, puts up eight eight assists and six rebounds. Tonight, he gets Indiana, who? Indiana, coming out of the in-season tournament. They haven't been the same team that they were in the tournament. Um, Teams might have figured them out. You know, maybe they're realizing how to blitz Tyrese Halliburton, things like that. But he came out tonight and put up 20 points, eight assists, five rebounds, stuff in the stat sheet, plus 15 on a plus minus. And he's doing things to help his team win. And that's what's important. John Morant is a winner. John Morant makes his team better. He makes his teammates better. The crowd is back. There's just a whole thing about John Morant. So, Screw the receipts he's talking about. Screw the R.J. Barrett talk. John Moran is back. That's the biggest point. That's the biggest point. Now, it's going to be up to him to get them to raise in the standings to that top four seed that we know Memphis to be at. They're going to get Marcus Smart back, hopefully, in a week or so. And do I think that he can bring them into the playoffs? I do. I do. I, I truly do. I, I feel like... One person says something, and then everybody kind of runs with it. And there's that, like, whether you word it differently. I follow a couple people on Twitter that they'll recycle tweets and they'll reword them as if they thought of it first. Like, it is what it is. Cool. Get your interactions. I'm not mad. You're getting paid for it. But the new one is John Morant, Allen Iverson comparison. You know what I'm saying? And, like, when I heard it, I'm like, "Eh, I mean, explosiveness i get it like flash like that 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 aura i could see it but like let's be fucking honest john moran jumps out the gym alan iverson's nowhere near as athletic as john moran is you know what i'm saying like alan iverson had to kill a cross so alan iverson is my first favorite player let's start there right that's who introduced me to fall in love with basketball it was either kobe or iverson for a lot of dudes in our age group it was it was alan iverson for me and so I'll never take any type of hate for Allen Iverson ever, ever. But I'm just wondering about this comparison with him and John Morant because, like I said, I do get the explosiveness. I do get the aura and the attention that he brings and the type of swag he has. But, like, play style? I don't know. I think John Morant is a way more explosive player. I think John Morant um, can do more things than Allen Iverson was able to. Um, Allen Iverson was just amazing at getting to his spots, crossing over whoever he had to, and getting to the rim and finishing. And John Moran is a little taller than he is, you know what I'm saying? So I just I, I just think it's funny that you see it one tweet about like how John Moran and Allen Iverson are the same, and then you'll see like in the next week everybody's talking about this and like saying it in different variations. So I guess that's just me kind of ranting and hating, but cut it out. Big shouts to John Moran, man. Big shouts to John Moran. Listen to Pistons, bro. Monty Williams has his work cut out for him. I got a simple... How does Monty Williams still have work? (laughs) That's my question. How does Monty Williams still got a job? And I hate to cut you off, bro, because you about to line it up. I get it, but... We're about to sit here and talk for two, three minutes about the Detroit Pistons who haven't put out any type of product worth talking about. But yet, we're still going to take our time on this fine Thursday afternoon or evening, you know what I'm saying, to talk about them. It's it's sad. How does Monty... I want Monty Williams fired. And then, what I saw on Twitter, and I want you to get back to your point, but this is, like, I'm just in my rant mode right now, but, like, call me John Morant. Um, (laughs) I would say, like, I find it a little odd that Monty Williams brings up the unfortunate events that happened, you know, in his life when talking about this losing streak. I'm not saying he's doing it as a cop-out. I'm not saying he's doing it for sympathy or anything like that because at the end of the day, it's real life. Like, everybody has their issues. Everybody goes through things. And what he's gone through, I mean, he is a trooper. The man is a warrior. And it takes a special type of man to have to be, to have the strength to go through that and still be able to go to your day-to-day job and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and handle things. So I understand that. But business is business. And you could feel bad for a guy for what he went through in his personal life. But if he's not helping the team 
What are we going to do? Because this isn't a 12-game skid. This isn't a 16-game skid or even a 20-game skid. 20 games was last week, two week and a half ago. Bro, 25 straight, one more loss to tie the record for worst losing streak in the league. Let's put this into perspective, E. The Miami Heat in 2013 won 27 straight games. It was the longest win streak since the 80s Lakers. And every night that I was watching Heat basketball, I'm looking at LeBron and Wade and Bosch like, how are y'all able to get a win every single night? They were down by 20 points or 20-plus versus Cleveland, came back and won to extend the fucking the streak. 27 games is not a joke. So to lose 25 straight games but yet still have a job as a head coach in this league, you got to look at upper management and ownership and just ask them, like, how serious are we about this? Because I don't know if you guys are holding on to the name, Monty Williams, but I'll tell you what, Coach Dwayne Casey ain't never had no motherfucking 25-game losing streak. And y'all gave, you, y'all got him gone for less. And y'all don't want to trade Bogdanovich. Y'all want to hold on. Like, nothing is making sense over there. So blow it all up, get a new coach, and figure shit out because you guys just drafted Thompson. You guys drafted Kay Cunningham a few years back who's supposed to be, you know, the next coming of the best point guard of the league. And it's not his fault that he's in this situation. But point of the matter is that you guys can't win games and your coach is supposed to be able to have the team prepared to win games. 26, 25, 20 is, is, is way too much. I don't have nothing else for them. Yeah, starting the year 2-1. and one. And then losing 25 straight, kind of wild. I don't have them winning more than like 15, 16 games, if that. There's a there's a bet out there that says uh, that it's like plus 10,000. So 100 bucks wins you like 10,000 bucks or something like that. No, I actually think I think it's plus 100,000 that they don't win another game this season. Someone put 40 bucks, it would pay out 40,000 dollars if it, if they do not win another game this season. That shit is wild. That's disrespectful. If I'm if I'm Cade Cunningham and I saw that there was a, a grown man across America who felt like that $40 he had that he didn't want to spend on a bottle of Hennessy, he didn't want to spend it on an entrance to a club, he didn't want to take a chick out for a small date, he didn't want to go and buy an eighth of Bud, he said, these motherfuckers ain't finna win again. And I'll waste that 40 because you know, you know they're going to get another win. You know they'll win 10 games on a season out of 82 but that motherfucker was like, yo, <laughs> I got $40, bro. <laughs> this shit might happen. That's that's embarrassing. Y'all need to take that personal. Jalen Brunson took it personal when they were down 21 to the Miami Heat on Black Friday. And he looked at the fan and said, you right. Came back and won that same game. Bro, if y'all don't look at that $40 bet for y'all to never win a game this season again, and put that shit on your locker or on your phone background or talk about it for a team meeting. Y'all don't y'all ain't about shit. Y'all ain't about shit, bro. And nobody should go support the Pistons. Pistons tickets should be $3. They should be courtside seats for $10. They should be giving free nachos and free popcorn to the fans that show up because in Detroit, what are we doing wasting time, wasting money at a basketball game when y'all don't play basketball for for real. Y'all have a better chance of watching the University of Michigan basketball, the University of Michigan State basketball, whatever high school basketball they got going on over there. Go to Marquette in Milwaukee. Like Facts. Whatever basketball camp Jordan Poole be doing out there. Nobody should be fucking with the Pistons. Nobody. Nobody. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, Shai Gilders Alexander, man. Fresh Fresh off being named Canadian Athlete of the year very 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 uh talked about caption on the ig after the last game he comes out today puts up 31 eight rebounds four assists plus minus plus nine and a win against the red hot clippers because we gotta put it how it is red hot clippers but weren't that red hot today lost by 17 in okc shout out to that boy nate perk OKC to the Western Conference Finals, June? What are you thinking? Mm-mm. No, not yet. I can't. I don't believe it yet. I think that they have talent. I think that, um, you know, they, they, Shay, shout out to, shout out to, shout out to Shay, but 
I, I don't I don't see it just yet. I don't see it just yet right now. And and even look at Minnesota. You know, Minnesota's number one in the West right now with the best record in the league tied for it with Boston. It's just who I, I was listening to somebody and they were saying, you know, Christmas Christmas Day is when like NBA really starts. Like these guys are, you know, twenty five to twenty seven games in on the season. And um out of eighty two is frankly not enough to grasp like who's truly, truly here. Draymond Green's suspension is going on. We don't know what Warriors team we're going to get coming out of the new year after the All-Star break, this down the third. So I think we still need to wait and see uh, how the next month and a half plays out for me to start really thinking, okay, this team, I can see them, you know, get into the Western Conference Finals. As it stands right now, I'm not going to put the thunder in any type of finals talk. Fair, fair, fair. I just want to know how you how you felt about that because you know, again, shout out to that boy Nate. Shout out to fella, yeah. Shout out to yeah, fella. I mean, shout out to shout out to the Thunder man. The Thunder doing their thing. They're, it's not they're no slouch. They are a great team right now. They're playing. They have one of the best players, MVP level player, All NBA player in Shea Gilgis. Um, and Chet Holmgren is rookie of the, second, you know, in rookie of the year uh, voting after after Wembenyama, and and I think that's hype because if you ask me, Chet Holmgren's playing better ball, um, and so is Hawkes, but. Neither here nor there. Shout out to them boys and uh, OKC, and I hope they can continue to grow in their roles. And, and hey, if they do get the opportunity to get to Western Conference Finals, that'll be fun. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Listen, let's talk about it. Shout out to the Blue Devils. Pulled out a huge win. Huge win against number 10 Baylor. I caught the last, I caught the second half of the game. Didn't catch the first half of the game. But it was close, and we ended up pulling off, again, the win, eight-point win against number 10 Baylor. Pulled it out in the end. My big shout-out is for a Duke player that scored four points, right? Check this out. He scored four points, two for two from the free throw line, one for one from the, from the floor, Ryan Young. Listen, and I'm only shouting him out because he came in clutch when Filipowski got into foul trouble, and it looked like Baylor was about to make a run. They put Ryan Young in the game. He comes in, gets four boards, four points, knocks down some clutch free throws towards the end of the game. And then needless to say, I mean, that boy Jay Roach doing what he does. There was a, a picture from last year in the garden against... Damn, I forgot who we played last year. And this uh, year in the last year was um no, nah, I can't I can't off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah. And then just doing what he does, man, continuing to lead this team. Hell of a senior. I love that he came back to play this year. 18 points, three rebounds, three assists, a steal. I mean, what more could you ask for from your from your from your point guard, you know? Um, we do have some injuries on the team right now, so it's next man up here on out through the season. Early on in the season, we're eight and three. We were twenty one before this game. I'm interested to see where the AP polls put us after beating a top ten team in Baylor and handing them their second loss on the season. <sighs> Shout out to those Blue Devils, man, because he made March, my heart. March happy. will be here soon enough, bro. You made my heart happy, man. You made my heart happy. June, you got anything else before we get it before we wrap it up, get up out of here? Yeah, I got two shout outs. Shout out to uh shout out to Travis Scott, man. I went to see Travis Scott on Monday night at the Barclays. He shut it down. He kind of just brought back my uh or or how would you say like he, he kind of rekindled the fan in me because I, I kind of fell off from his music. Um I didn't give Utopia the spin that I that I felt it might have deserved. I didn't really care to listen to it. I, I probably heard a few songs and I, I liked a few, but through performance and through, you know, putting on a show, he, he was able to kind of remind me why I do appreciate Travis Scott's music. So shout out to him there and shout out to uh, Caitlin Clark, man, coming off of a 35.17 rebound tennis game, the best player in the nation. She'll be the number one pick. I think the Indiana fever have the number one pick in the WNBA draft. So, Hey, they they're gonna get them a good one because that that she's she is in my opinion I'm gonna say this now December twenty first twenty twenty three she is going to change the WNBA for what we know it for there have been Candace Parkers there have been Lisa Leslies there have been Maya Moores 
I don't think we're going to ever see somebody like Caitlin Clark. And it's no shot at anybody because I wouldn't even tell you that she's a better player than Maya Moore. I'm not going to tell you that she's a better player than Candace Parker. But Stephen Curry's not a better player than LeBron James, and he changed his landscape of the league. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Caitlin Clark and just watch. Just watch. Two years from now, we're going to be looking at her in the WNBA like we ain't never seen this before. We've never. And, and it's going to just set trends for the woman and the young woman coming into college, coming into the league, and how they approach the game. Like, oh, shit, you know what? Not to say they didn't know this. The blueprints have already been laid out. Steph Curry did it for everybody because this is Steph Curry. Stephanie Curry, if you will, but <laughs> she's Caitlin Clark. I'm going to put respect on her name, and she's the one doing it for the woman. So I expect to see a lot to come after her um, and, and a lot from her when she does finally get drafted. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, and adults of all ages, if you tuned in tonight, we appreciate you very much. If you tuned in live, if you're listening on your streaming platforms, thank you so much. You could have been anywhere in the world tonight or this on this listen, but you're here with us. We love you and we appreciate you. Happy holidays. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Spend time with your loved ones. Give flowers to those who you feel deserve those flowers. This has been The Real in Sports. I'm your co-host, Small Town EP, joined by your host, Mr. Heat and Five himself. See you soon, June. Wait, Julian. Go home everything but late for dinner. We'll see you when we see you.